Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The spread of Omicron has people scrambling to get tested for COVID, but the lines are long, appointments get scooped up fast, and rapid antigen tests are really, really hard to find. KQED's Raquel Maria Dillon brings us the story of one testing clinic in the East Bay City of Richmond. Alejandra Felix had a cough and a sore throat. So she did the responsible thing and called in sick. Felix cleans houses for a living and works for herself. Before she goes back to work, she wants to be sure it's just a flu. The COVID testing site here at Lifelong Medical Center was fully booked. She called and called, but couldn't get an appointment. For Felix, a week with no work means losing up to $800 in income. Money she needs to pay the bills. But this clinic isn't taking walk-ups anymore. Felix left, feeling desperate. Since the holidays, the demand for testing here has ballooned. For the small staff, it's exhausting. We get tired and we just got to step aside, take a breath. There are times where we cry a little and then we come back. Griselda Ramirez Escamilla, who runs the urgent care center here, says this surge is taking an emotional toll. You know, it's hard. And we show up every morning. And like I said, we have times where we do break down, but it's just the nature of it. We have to lift our spirits and keep moving. Lifelong Medical serves a specific community, Medicaid patients and essential workers who risk COVID exposure at their jobs. The pandemic is hitting these low-income communities again, this time with Omicron. Lifelong runs three testing sites in the Bay Area. Its clinics are getting about 1,000 COVID calls each day. This site can only test 60 people daily and can't scale up. So it's not always about quantity, but if we're reaching those who have no other way to access testing resources, then we are achieving our goal. Dr. Jocelyn Freeman-Garrick is with Alameda County's Public Health Department. With demand up 400 percent at county testing locations, she says these smaller sites do what larger ones can't, serve these vulnerable neighborhoods. And we found at those smaller sites that the percent positivity rate was much higher than the general population. So the numbers may be small, but that's a pivotal role. So go ahead, pull your mask down. And open your mouth and stick your tongue out. That's 24-year-old Gabi Perez. It's her job to swab noses and throats for the COVID tests here. She says many immigrant families in this majority Latino city live in multi-generational households with grandparents or children who are too young to be vaccinated. Once somebody says positive, it's like there's no way of getting away from it unless you go to another home. 
Um, you got to use the same bathroom, same bedroom, same kitchen. There's no really a way around it. She speaks from experience. I do live with my parents, and I have been hit by COVID. Um, I thank God that I did survive it. Um, my dad was really sick. That was last summer, and he's okay now, but the experience inspired her to switch careers from childcare to medical assistant as a step toward becoming a nurse to further serve her community. For the California Report, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon in Richmond. And some other news related to the pandemic. Amid the unprecedented wave of COVID infections, nearly 1,000 police officers, firefighters, and paramedics in the city of Los Angeles aren't on the job. But Mayor Eric Garcetti says both the police and fire departments have enough staffing to keep the city safe. KCRW's Daryl Satsman reports. There are 505 LAPD officers and 299 members of the fire department at home quarantining with COVID, both pandemic highs, according to Mayor Eric Garcetti. These are big numbers, numbers that are reflecting the staffing challenges that all of us face, whether it's in the private sector, the public sector, and across all of our city departments. He says the city has authorized overtime funds to pay employees who cover the shifts of personnel sick with COVID-19, And while they acknowledge response times have been affected in some cases, both Police Chief Michael Moore and Fire Chief Ralph Tarasas say their departments have enough personnel to maintain safety. Tarasas listed the steps his department is taking to keep firefighters on the job, including requiring them to wear N95 masks. Canceling all approved leaves until further notice. With L.A. County Public Health approval, we will adopt a seven-day isolation protocol rather than the 10-day protocol that currently exists. Meanwhile, Garcetti said that five out of six police and fire employees are now fully vaccinated, a slightly higher percentage than city workers overall. For the California Report, I'm Daryl Satzman in Los Angeles. California Attorney General Rob Bontis says prosecutors should not charge women with murder when their behavior, such as drug use, contributes to the death of a fetus. The announcement comes after prosecutors in Kings County in the Central Valley charged women with so-called fetal murder, alleging their abuse of methamphetamines led to stillbirths. The Attorney General says under his interpretation of the law, a pregnant woman can't be prosecuted for the death of a fetus given the final outcome of of her pregnancy. He says fears of criminal prosecutions might deter pregnant women with addiction problems from getting the help they need from health care services. A coalition of California abortion providers had asked Bonta to give direction on the issue. Pacific Gas and Electric will likely be the first utility to use California's wildfire liability fund. That after the company's equipment started the massive Dixie fire. Cap Radio Scott Rod reports. In 2019, California had a utility crisis. The state's biggest electricity providers were causing increasingly deadly and costly wildfires. PG&E had already declared bankruptcy as a result. It was one of Governor Gavin Newsom's first big tests in office. This is a serious moment. And as I said, I'll remind you, it's not just about turning on your lights. It's not just about paying your electric bills. It's literally about the economy of this state. The governor and lawmakers had only a few months to figure it out. So they put together a $21 billion fund that would help cover the cost of wildfires caused by utilities. The companies pay for half of it. Customer rate increases make up the rest. Michael Wara is a senior research scholar at Stanford University. He expects PG&E will be the first to tap into the pot of money. It's a good dry run, frankly, for the fund because there's a whole bunch of processes that need to be established and tested. So 
that the fund is really ready. Utilities have to cover up to a billion dollars in damages before accessing the fund. PG&E expects claims from the Dixie Fire, the second largest blaze in state history, to only slightly exceed that $1 billion threshold. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. Immigrant advocates say California prisons have transferred thousands of incarcerated immigrants who've served their time to immigration authorities for detention and possible deportation. It happened again Wednesday with the journalist set to be released from San Quentin. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Poon Yu served 25 years for a murder conviction and was granted parole. While in prison, the Cambodian refugee worked for the award-winning San Quentin News. He also graduated from college and became a certified counselor, says Anouk Prasad, an attorney with the Asian Law Caucus who works with you. Has just, you know, done so much work to turn his life around. Still, you became one of the more than 2,600 people California prisons have transferred to U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement since January 2020, says Prasad. And nothing requires the prison system to do this. It is just voluntarily chosen to spend resources to turn Californians over to ICE. An officer with the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation says they respond to detainer requests from all law enforcement agencies. And an ICE spokesperson says use conviction would make him a priority for arrest. Advocates are working to pass legislation they say will prevent more immigrants from being further punished by being released to ICE after serving prison time. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca takes us back to the 1970s to a black cultural center in Berkeley called the Rainbow Sign. It only existed for a few short years, but hosted dozens of high-profile artists and thought leaders. This is a small, intimate club. You could walk up and ask a question of Maya Angelou or James Baldwin. I saw Taj Mahal there. Intasaki, Shanghai. Alice Walker, who went on to win the Pulitzer Prize for the color purple, did a reading at Rainbow Sign. Nina Simone performed at Rainbow Sign when I was seven years old. You might recognize one of those voices as Vice President Kamala Harris. She was inspired by Nina Simone's song, Young, Gifted, and Black. And she wrote about growing up in Berkeley and going to the rainbow sign as a kid in her 2019 autobiography, The Truths We Hold. Rainbow sign needs to not just disappear into the mists of time. That's Odette Poller, whose mother Marianne Poller founded the rainbow sign and forged a path as a black woman concert promoter, signing on artists like Bob Dylan and Pete Seeger. This is a black woman in the 40s and 50s and 60s doing things nobody else had ever done. When Marianne Poller founded the rainbow sign in 1971, she saw it as a black cultural center, but also part of a movement toward the liberation of all people through art, education, and political organizing. It was the right place at the right time for this to grow out of. 
That's Desi Woods-Jones, who helped found an organization called Black Women Organized for Political Action. She remembers they didn't have big expectations when they called their first meeting at the rainbow sign. We opened the doors and, you know, looked around, and I think there must have been pretty close to a couple of hundred women that showed up. And we were, of course, just astounded. Huey Newton, Winnie Mandela, Shirley Chisholm, James Baldwin, they all came to the rainbow sign. But its unique history has largely been forgotten. Now, UC Berkeley students have created a digital archive to help preserve it. And you can listen to more of that story on public radio stations or by getting the California Report magazine podcast. And that's the Daily California Report for Friday, January 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Keith Mizuguchi, and Holly J. McDeed. Our editor is Angela Corral. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs>